0: welcome back to the brothers in christ podcast today we will be diving into ephesians 5 and um so hope you enjoy it and let's let's go but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them. Alright, we'll stop right there. But very clearly in this opening we we are called to a lifestyle like Jesus to love and live the way that he does and one of the reasons is because we are supposed to be bearing Christ's image to the world around us and if we're living in sin and not loving people what what's the world gonna see they're gonna see uh, hypocritical people and be like well there's there's no difference what, what what's different yeah you know yeah and I do think at the very beginning here Paul covers why we are to do this like in verse 12 verse 2 rather and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God so the reason we're to do all this is because Christ first loved us and gave himself up for us, and that's also why we can do it. I mean, without without Jesus' sacrifice, we would not be able to put off this old self and put on this new self, as Paul said in the last chapter. And so I like that as a really good intro to, or rather just an explanation of why we do this. Yep, and I think when when we live bearing Christ's image, living try, trying, doing as best we can to live like Jesus, not only is it about getting eternal life, like in the he- in the present, I feel like it's so much better. We have this hope, and joy, and peace that unbelievers don't have, and it really helps you get through every every day or every life scenarios that. Could rock your world if you didn't have this hope. Yeah, and it's not just hope for now, but it's also hope for the future, as it says in verse five: For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous—that is, an idolater—has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Like, not only does this new life gives give us hope for now, but it gives us hope for the future when Jesus returns. That we will be accepted into the kingdom of Christ and God as beloved citizens. And, yeah, that's really cool. Like, nobody else has that. And then, later on in this section, I think Paul pretty pretty clearly tells us to not let unbelievers drag you down. It says, therefore, do not become partners with them. And, I mean, this doesn't mean that we never talk to them or do anything like that. We're we're called to evangelize them or share the gospel to them. But I think something that could is helpful is to not get your reassurance or confidence or strength from unbelievers or this culture cuz that's going to be empty advice coming from the wrong, wrong source. And sure, like definitely unbelievers can have good things to say, but it's, it's just not the same as going to like a pastor or the Bible ultimately. Yeah. Um, I also think it interesting how Paul refers to covetousness as idolatry there in verse five. So I thought about that for a second and then I realize that it really is like when you're being covetous you are putting this thing or whatever in the place of God like you are worshiping it more than you would God and that is definitely not part of this new life in Christ that Jesus has given us and so we need to like really put that off as something from the old self and like yeah really put on the new self in that area. For sure. Alright, let's read the next section from verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So I think this is a very good representation of like our salvation and how Jesus is the light. And when we're brought into His his body, then... We get that light, and then, as we talked about share showing uh Christ's image through our everyday actions um that's only possible because of the light that that we're in through Jesus. yeah, I think it's interesting how Paul makes three important comparisons in this passage: firstly, light versus darkness, obviously, secondly fruitfulness versus unfruitfulness, and lastly. Being dead versus being alive. And so here he kind of harkens back to chapter 2, where he talks about we were dead in our sins, we were dead in our trespasses, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so, because of that coming from death to life, coming from darkness to light, our works are now fruitful instead of the unfruitful works of darkness yeah and i really like the um light versus dark analogy because like if you're in a dark room you'll be stumbling around you don't you're gonna be lost you don't know where you're going um but when that when that light turns on you can see clearly and you know where you're going and you know what's around you and I think that's the way that it can be with lives or our lives. Um, we, when we're living in sin, we're just kind of a lost wreck and we're, we're gonna end up hurting ourselves, um, big time. Um, but I also like it because the light, once it's turned on, it illuminates everything and you can see everything. And I think that with our lives, we, we can bring, we often try to, like hide away our sinful selves and like we don't want to give it all to christ but as soon as we do that light is just it just illuminates it i feel like and then he he takes it and i mean it's not like right away it's it's a slow process of sanctification but definitely he starts using it um much better than how like we we would still be living in sin, I guess. Yeah, and once that happens, like, you begin to show that light to others around you more clearly, like we talked about earlier. Once Jesus has shown you the light, you can't help but show other people the light as well. Yeah, alright, let's keep moving. From verse 15, "...look carefully then how you walk." submitting to one another out of reverence for christ all right i like in this in this section the verse 17 where it says but understand what the will of the lord is and how amazing is that that we can actually like kind of know like what god wants for our lives and but that only happens when we're like so in tune with with God because we pray and read our Bible and just constantly do those things that we're in like this we're like so in tune that we we can actually like know what God wants for our lives and that that's just really cool to me yeah and I like how Paul mentions here several other ways that we can help to clear our minds and focus on God so that we will know his will like, walking as wise people, making the best use of the time. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Address one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I think that all of these things can help us To focus on God's will and knowing it better. And in return, focusing on God's will will and spending time with God, like you said, will make these other things come more naturally. And I like the sort of cyclical nature of that. That these things help us, I think, to know the will of God. And then to know the will of God makes us more eager to do these things. Yeah, and going back to what we talked about earlier about being separate from the world and um, really just showing Christ's image in our everyday actions. Th- those are great examples of ways that we can act counter to to the world. And doing these things doesn't only just set us up for success and like, resisting temptation, I guess, like staying out of sin, but it's, it sets us apart from the world like we talked about, and I think it's important also to know, like, where, where we can stumble and fail in our sin, so that we can set up safeguards, or even, like, counteract it by setting up, like, instead of doing something, pray about it, and setting up stuff like that. All right, let's finish the chapter. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wow, (laughs) this is awesome. That through marriage, it's really showing the gospel, right? I mean, like, Christ gave sacrificially, through love, gave himself up, so that we can be saved and then he continues to sanctify us and grow grow his relationship between us so that we can become more like him and then the ultimate goal it says that she might be holy and without blemish and going back to a few chapters ago where we talked about how the they would use an unblemished lamb for sacrifice and how that should be the the goal of our our lives and sacrifice to Jesus um but right here it's it's all through Christ that this happens through his his sanctification of us and his love for us yes i do like how paul continues this idea of mutual submission that he introduced in verse 21 with specific instances as we see here marriage and then later on in chapter 6 we'll see that he discusses children and parents and slaves and masters and yeah but I think it's I think it's important that that we do not focus too much on how well the other person is performing their their instruction in this passage like too often you can have a husband who says, "Well wives should submit to their husbands and forgets like the second part of this passage that says, "Husbands love your wives," and so I think it's important to take the plank out of our own eyes before we try and judge others based on their performance, right. yeah, and I really love the the sacrificial love that it talks about here and how the husband should really just lay down his life just as Christ laid down his life for us to to protect his wife and family. And that really combats the uh, you-have-to-submit-to-me thing. Um, so I, as the bride of Christ, um, as the church body, we we do need to submit to Christ, like submitting to a husband. And that means giving him... Like our whole lives not not just the the good parts or what we want want to, but also the sinful parts, and we want his light to come and work through those parts um and I also think it's important to give Christ our best fruits, like of our ti- to- most attentive first um like through through our time our best time our most productive time to spend it with god instead of on our own like making our own money or something like that but because god is really the best thing that happens our entire lives and he he deserves the best of our our lives back so thank you so much for listening and uh we'll catch you in the next one thank you guys so much for listening i hope that was helpful for you it was sure helpful for me in writing my notes down but uh thanks again for listening and i hope that you'll uh, listen to the next one